0: mythology friends i'm kate and i'm kim and we're the drunk Dra- dracula dracula
1: gals
0: you know it's like right. Writing- spider-man
1: where everybody's all the spider-men are pointing at each other that's what i always imagine at this point
0: you know i kind of see a mexican standoff myself
1: <laughs> sure <laughs>
0: Yeah, Jen was right. It it's more fun with three people. So this is chapter 12 of Brom Stoker's Dracula, celebrating the month of drunk Dracula gals, also called October.
1: Also called Drunktober. <laughs> now you have a disclaimer, right?
0: Yeah, yes. So parts of this have been pre-recorded because Kim.
1: Uh I uh sat wrong. <laughs> When you get to a certain age, um, over 35, and we'll leave it at that, um, your body goes into absolute fucking complete rebellion. And any part of your body can, like, betray you at any moment for no obvious reason. So, yes, I threw out my back by sitting. (laughs) We
0: should – that is a life goal of mine, I'm just saying. (laughs) So, yeah, and Jen has uh, some work – some – Stupid day job stuff today. So
1: stupid, sexy day job. <laughs>
0: stupid steady income job. <laughs>
1: so, so yeah, we're, so she will be edited in, correct? Yes,
0: we okay. we will by the magic of uh, GarageBand make mm. her appear. All right, all right. So here we go. Back to England. Okay, this recap. I have feelings. <sighs>
1: It was. It was a lot.
0: It was a lot, yeah, and a lot. I feel a lot. So here we go. Go for it. Where do I even start? Mrs. weston Westonrot is like, "What the hell are all these stank ass flowers doing in my baby's room?" and throws them away. Van Helsing does I kind
1: mean, of. I kind of get, get that, right? Yeah.
0: Van Helsing does a lot of hissing, which I guess is now on brand on for him. <laughs> he also does the stupidest thing ever by leaving his patient just as she's getting better. Then we meet England's second worst reporter who literally bullies and bribes a zookeeper who just wants to eat his dinner in peace.
1: Now that, that conversation could have been about literally anything because we didn't understand <laughs> one word the zookeeper said.
0: <laughs> I think he's related to Mr. Swales. We hear about- <laughs> Berserker, a wolf who did a live reenactment of Ferris Bueller's day off and then came home just in time for dinner with the zookeeper. It was adorable. I love Berserker. Van Helsing sent a telegram. Dr. Seward gets it too late. And Lucy is in for a very bad night and possibly a bad trip on MDMA because she's seeing sparkles.
1: Ooh.
0: Oh, and Mrs. Westenra kicks the bucket, but nobody really cares.
1: Anyway, carry on. All right. Dr. Seward's diary, 18 September. I've drove at once to Hillingham. Now we have to remember that he has received the telegraph to like 24, 12 hours too late. So he's frantic. I drove at once to Hillingham and arrived early, keeping my cab at the gate. I went up to the Avenue alone. I knocked gently and rang as quietly as possible. Are there is there a volume control on the doorknob? <laughs> for I feared to disturb Lucy or her mother and hoped only to bring a servant to the door. After a while, finding no response, I knocked and rang again. Still no answer. I cursed the laziness of the servants that they should lie abed at such an hour, for it was now 10 o'clock. And so, sounds like my mom when I was a teenager. <laughs> for it was now 10 o'clock, so rang and knocked again, but more impatiently, for there was still no response. And
0: also the cab, I mean, he's... Got a carriage waiting for him.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, hello. The guys going, ha huh, ha, huh, meters running, pal. Yeah. Hitherto I blamed only the servants, but now a terrible fear began to assail me. Was this desolation but another link in the chain of doom which seemed drawing tight around us? Was Jumped it just some Right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they're in the can. Uh, was it indeed a house of death to which i had come too late (laughs) i knew that minutes even seconds of delay might mean hours of danger to lucy if she had again one of those frightful relapses and i went round the house to try if i could find by chance an entry anywhere i could find no means of ingress every window and door was fastened and locked and i returned baffled to the porch as i did so i heard the rapid window right break a window as I did so, I heard the rabbit pit-pat of a swiftly driven horse's feet, because apparently they hadn't invented clip-clop when this book was written. <laughs> uh, they stopped at the gate, and a few seconds later, I met Van Helsing running up the avenue. When he saw me, he gasped out. Then, it was you, and just a rat. How is she?
0: Are we too late? Did you not get my telegram? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I answered as quickly and coherently as I could that I had only got his telegram early in the morning and had lost not a minute in coming here, and that I could not make anyone in the house hear me. He paused and raised his hat as he said solemnly, Then I fear we are too late. Gods we'll be done. With his usual
0: recuperative energy, he went on. Come, if there be no way to open, to get in, we must make one. Time is all in all to us now.
1: This is literally the worst example of beanie I've ever heard of, by the way, what's coming up here. (laughs) We went round the back of the house where there was a kitchen window. The professor took a small surgical saw from his case and, handing it to me, pointed to the iron bars which guarded the window. I attacked them at once and had very soon cut through three of them. (laughs) What? I had the same question. Then, with a long, thin knife, we pushed back the fastening of the sashes and opened the window. Oh, my fucking God. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently... Everything else has steel plates over all the doors and windows like the zombies are going to attack. I helped... That's a different book, I guess. I helped the professor in and followed him. There was no one in the kitchen or in the servant's room, which were close at hand. We tried all the rooms as we went along, and in the dining room, dimly lit by rays of light through the shutters, found four servant women lying on the floor. There was no need to think them dead, for their stertorous breathing and the acrid smell of laudanum in the room left no doubt as to their condition. Van Helsing and I looked at each other, and as we moved away, he said, we can attend... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, we can attend to them later. <laughs> Perfect. Then we <laughs> ascended to Lucy's room. For an instant or two, we paused at the door to listen, but there was no sound that we could hear. With white faces and trembling hands, we opened the door gently and entered the room. How does
0: he know his face is white? I mean, I know he's white, but like, did he take it time to like glance in the mirror? Gosh,
1: I look pale. Uh, Babe, uh, you know what? This is a question, again, another question to which there is no answer. (laughs) How shall I describe what we saw? Um, He's going to answer some questions. (laughs) On the bed lay two women, Lucy and her mother. The latter lay furthest in, and she was covered with a white sheet, the edge of which had been blown back by the draft through the broken window, showing the drawn white face with a look of terror fixed upon it. By her side lay Lucy, with face white and still more drawn. The flowers which had been round her neck we now found upon her mother's bosom, and her throat was bare, showing the two little wounds which we had noticed before, but looking horribly white and mangled. Without a word, the (laughs) professor... a
0: bitch when it comes to
1: safety pin wounds. (laughs) They'll get you. Without a word, the professor bent over the bed, his head almost touching poor Lucy's breast. Then he gave a quick turn of his head as of one who listens, and leaping to his feet, he cried out to me, It is not too late! Quick, quick, bring the brandy and some for her. (laughs) <laughs> to speak for all of us. I flew downstairs and returned with it, taking care to smell and taste it, lest it, too, were drugged like the decanter of sherry, which I found on the table. All right, now that was sensible. The maids were still breathing, but more restlessly, and I fancied that the narcotic was wearing off. I did not stay to make sure, but returned to Van Helsing. He rubbed the brandy, as on other occasions, on her lips and gums, and on her wrists and the palms of her hands, because brandy on your hands is a sure thing if you've been exsanguinated. Uh- Obviously. Obviously. He said to me, (laughs) I can do this. All that can be
0: at the present. You go wake those maids, flick them in the face with a wet towel and flick them
1: hard. Everybody's got a fetish.
0: (laughs) Make them get heat and fire and a warm bath. This poor soul is nearly as cold as that beside her. She will need to be heated uh, in a medium oven at (laughs) 375.
1: 350 until golden brown.
0: (laughs) Before we can do anything more.
1: I went at once and found little difficulty in waking three of the women. The fourth was only a girl, and the drug had evidently affected her more strongly, so I lifted her on the sofa and let her sleep. The others were dazed at first, but as remembrance came back to them, they cried and sobbed in a hysterical manner. I was stern with them, however, uh, and would not let them talk. I told them that's (laughs) the way to treat trauma. Yeah, calciprise. I told them that one life was bad enough to lose, and if they delayed, they would sacrifice Miss Lucy. So, sobbing and crying, they went about their way, half-clad as they were, and prepared fire and water. Fortunately, the kitchen and boiler fires was still alive, and there was no lack of hot water. We got a bath and carried Lucy out, as she was, and placed her in it. Whilst we were chafing her limbs, there was a knock at the hall door. One of the maids ran off, hurried on some more clothes, and opened it. Then she returned and whispered to us, "There was a gentleman who had come with a message from Mister Holmwood." To which we all say, "Who?" Uh, I, ba- I <laughs> bade her simply Lord, tell salty him, "Cracker, <laughs> cracker." I bade her simply tell him that he must wait for. We could see no one now. She went away with the message, and engrossed with our work, I clean forgot all about him. That doesn't seem like something he would say, but okay. Yeah. I never saw, I never, it feels like something the editor should have, should have caught. I clean forgot mm-hmm. all about him, doesn't sound like him. I never saw in all my experience the professor work in such deadly earnest. I knew, as he knew, that it was stand up fight with death, and in a pause, told him so. He answered me in a way that I did not understand, but the sternest look that he could wear on his face If that were all, I would stop here,
0: where we are now, and let her fade away into peace, for I see no light in life over her.
1: "'Horizon.' He went on with his work, if possible, renewed and more frenzied vigor. Presently, we both began to be conscious that the heat was beginning to be of some effect. Lucy's heart beat a trifle more audibly to the stethoscope, and her lungs had a perceptible movement. Van Helsing's face almost beamed, and as we lifted her from the bath and rolled her onto a hot sheet to dry her, he said to me, "'The first king is ours. Check to the king!' Well, okay. We took Lucy into another room, which by now had been prepared, and laid her in a ba- in bed and forced a few drops of brandy down her throat. Finally! <laughs> I noticed that Van Helsing tied a soft silk handkerchief round her throat. She was still unconscious and was quite as bad, as if not worse than we'd ever seen her. Van Helsing called one of the women and told her to stay with her and not take her eyes off her till he returned, and then beckoned me out of the room. We must consult as to what is to be done. He said, as we descended the stairs in the hall, he opened the dining room door. And as we passed in, he closed the door carefully behind him. The shutters had been opened, but the blinds were already down with that obedience to the etiquette of death, which the British women of the lower classes always rigidly observe. Jeez. <laughs> oh, the room was therefore dimly dark. It was <laughs> however light enough for our purposes. Van Helsing Stern was, was somewhat relieved by a look of perplexity. He was evidently torturing his mind about something. So I waited for an instant, and he spoke. What are we to do now? Where are we to turn for help? We
0: must have another transfusion of the blood, and that soon or that poor girl's life won't be worth an hour's purchase. You are exhausted already? I am exhausted too. I fear to trust those women, even if they would have the courage to submit, um, hello, uh, childbirth?
1: Yeah, I think they could do. Why there's there's three of them who are obviously awake enough to tend to Lucy, right? They trust they trust one of the women to watch her, but they uh, all right. That that was a real big question I had right here, but but let's let's move on.
0: Yeah, what are we to do for someone who'll open his veins for her? What's the matter with me, anyhow?
1: The voice came from the sofa across the room, and its tones brought relief and joy to my heart, for those were they were those of Quincy Morris. Then Helsing started angrily at the first sound, but his face softened and a glad look came into his eyes as I cried out Quincy Morris <laughs> and rushed towards him with outstretched hands. What brought you here? I cried as our hands met. Well, I guess art is the cause. Art? You mean like in a museum? <laughs> I, think I mean as in he, the salty cracker that's what he years. Yeah, that's not what he said. That yeah, what he, said. <laughs> he handed me a telegram.
2: Have not heard from Seward for three days and am terribly anxious. Cannot leave. Father still in same condition. Send me word how Lucy is. Do not delay.
0: Homewood. I think I came just in the nick of time. You know you have only to tell me what to do. Van Helsing strode forward and took his hand, looking him straight in the eye. He said, A brave man's blood is the best thing on earth when a woman is in trouble. All right. Okay. You're a man, and no mistake. (laughs) How saucy. (laughs) I told you. I think Quincy and Ben Helsing, it's a thing. You're going to ship them. Okay. I am. Well, the devil may work against us for all his wealth, but God sends us men when we want them. Oh, my God. If only that were true.
1: Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> life could be very different. <laughs> Once again, we went through that ghastly operation. I have not the heart to go through the details. Lucy had got a terrible shock, and it told on her more than before. For though plenty of blood went into her veins, her body did not respond to the treatment as well as on other occasions. Her struggle back into life was something frightful to see and hear. However, the action of both heart and lungs improved, and Van Helsing made a subcutaneous injection of morphia as before, and with good effect. Her faint became a profound slumber. The professor watched while I went downstairs with Quincy Morris and sent one of the maids pay- to pay off the cabman who were waiting.
0: Oh, we've been there for remember. a really <laughs> long time.
1: <laughs> I left Quincy, I wonder if they're like have rush rates. I left Quincy lying down after having a glass of wine and told the cook to ready a good breakfast. Breakfast wine, that's my favorite. (laughs) Then a thought struck me and I went back to the room where Lucy now was. When I came softly in, I found Van Helsing with a sheet or two of notepaper in his hand. He had evidently read it and was thinking over it as he sat with his hand to his brow. There was a look of grim satisfaction in his face of one who has an adult sow had a doubt solved. He handed me the paper, saying only, It dropped from Lucy's breast when we carried her to the bath. When I had read it, I stood looking at the professor, and after a pause, asked him, In God's name, what does it all mean? <laughs> was she or is she mad? Or in some sort of horrible danger? I was so bewildered, I did not know what to say more. Van Helsing put out his hand and took the paper, saying... Do not trouble about it now.
0: Forget it for the present.
1: You shall know and understand it all in
0: good time, but it will be later. And now, what it is do you have
1: come to me to say? This brought me back to fact, and I was all myself again. Uh, I came to speak about the certificate of death. If we do not act properly and wisely, there may be an inquest and that paper would have to be produced. I am in hopes that we we need have no inquest for surely killed poor Lucy. If nothing else did, I know and you know that the other doctor who attended her knows and apparently everybody knows that Mrs. Westerner had diseases of the heart and we can certify that she died of it. Let us fill up the certificate at once and I shall take it myself to the registrar and go on to the undertaker.
0: Good, oh, my friend Jean, well thought of. Truly, Miss Lucy, if she be sad in the foes that be set her, is at least happy in the friends that love her. One, two, three, all open their veins for her, besides one old man. Ah, yes, I know, friend Jean, I am not blind. I love you all the more for it. Now go.
1: No, I get the feeling this is not the first time that John has faked the coroner's report. (laughs) Um, You know, he certainly has a very clear
0: idea of of how to to do it. You know, (laughs) he he does run a lunatic asylum in the 19th Uh, century.
1: Things happen. In the yeah. hall, I met, yeah, I met Quincy Morris with a <laughs> telegram for Arthur, who, telling him that Mrs. Western was dead, and that Lucy had also been ill, but now was going on better, and that Van Helsing and I were with her. I told him where we were going, and he hurried me out, but as I was going, he said, When you come back, Jack,
0: may I have uh, two words with you all to our sales?
1: I nodded in reply and went out. I found no difficulty about the registration and arranged with the local undertaker to come up in the evening to measure for the coffin and to make arrangements. Money solves everything. Everything. When I got back, Quincy was waiting for me. I told him I would see him as soon as I knew about Lucy and went up to her room. She was still sleeping and the professor seemingly had not moved from his seat at her side. From putting his finger to his lips, I gathered that he expected her to wake up before long and was afraid of forestalling nature. So I went down to Quincy and took him to the breakfast room where the blinds were not drawn down, and which was at least a little more cheerful or rather less cheerless than the other rooms. When we were alone, he said to me, Jack Seward, I
0: don't want to shove myself in anywhere where I've no right to be, but this is no ordinary case. You know I love that girl and wanted to marry her, but although all that's passing and gone, I can't help feeling anxious about her all the same. What is it that's wrong with her? The Dutchman and a fine old fellow he is. I can just Despite his accent. (laughs) I'm telling you, said that uh, time you two came into the room that you must have another transfusion of blood and that you both, both you and he were exhausted. Now I know well that you medical men speak in camera and that a man must not expect to know what the, they consult about in private but this is no common matter and whatever it is i have done my part is that not so that's so i said and he went on i take it that both you and van helsing had already done what i did today is that not so that's so and i guess art was in it too who <laughs> when i saw him four days ago down at his place his own place he looked queer i Move have on. not <laughs> seen or anything I have not seen anything pulled down so quick since I was on the pampas and had a mare that I was fond of go to grass all in the night. One of those big bats that they had called vampires had got ding, her- Ding, 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 <laughs> ding. Finally. <laughs> had got at her in the night. And what, with his gorge and her and the vein left open, there weren't enough blood in her to let her stand up. And I had to pull a- put a bullet through her as she lay. Jack, if you tell me I need to do that, no, if you- <laughs> If you take may her out behind th- the house, <laughs> <laughs> if you may tell me without betraying a confidence, Arthur was the first, is that not so?
1: who I mean, as he spoke, <laughs> the, the poor fellow looked terribly anxious. <laughs> he was in a torture of suspense regarding the woman he loved, and his utter ignorance of the terrible mystery which seemed to surround her intensified his pain. His very heart was bleeding, and he took all the manhood of him, and there was a royal lot of it too. <laughs> man, this guy must be something. <laughs> To keep it from breaking down. Team I paused- Quincy. <laughs> Team Quincy. I paused-, <laughs> paused before answering, for I felt that I must not betray anything which the professor kept secret. But <clears throat> already, he knew so much and guessed so much that there could be no reason for not answering. So I answered in the same phrase, That's so.
0: That is so frustrating. And how long has this been going on? About 10 days. 10 days. Right? Then I guess, Jack Seward, that that poor pretty creature that we all love has had to has had put into her veins within that time the blood of four strong men man alive her whole body wouldn't hold it then coming
1: close to me he spoke in a fierce half whisper what took it out thank you finally god he's like the smartest out of all of them seriously change the the name of this novel to quincy <laughs> quincy M-E. gets it right quincy gets, quincy it, gets one. it right yeah i shook my head that, I said, is the crux. Van Helsing's simply frantic about it, and I'm at my wit's end. I can't even hazard a guess, can't you? There's been a series of little circumstances which have thrown all our calculations as to Lucy being properly watched. But these shall not occur again. Here we stay until all be well, or ill. Quincy held out his hand. Count me in, he said. You and the Dutchman would tell me what to do and I'll do it. When she woke late in the afternoon, Lucy's first mo- movement was to feel her breast, which is what basically I do every morning <laughs> when I wake up, <laughs> and to my surprise, produce the paper which Van Helsing had given me to read. The careful professor had replaced it where it had come from, lest on waking she should be alarmed.
0: Okay, that, that's going to alarm her?
1: That the paper was missing. Yeah, but uh, that's not what the first thing that's- I re- Yeah. 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 Fair. Then her eye lit on Van Helsing and on me, too, and gladdened. Then she looked around the room, and seeing where she was, she shuddered, gave a loud cry, and put her poor thin hands before her pale face. We both understood what she meant. She'd realized the full of her mother's death, so we tried what we could to comfort her. Doubtless sympathy eased her somewhat, but she was very low in thought and spirit. Uh I would be. And wept silently and weakly for a long time. We told her that either or both of us would now remain with her all the time, and that seemed to comfort her towards dusk she fell into a doze here a very odd thing occurred while still asleep she took the paper from her breast and tore it in two Van Helsing stepped over and took the pieces from her all the same however she went on with the action of tearing as though the materials were still in her hands finally she lifted her hands and opened them as though scattering the fragments Van Helsing seemed surprised and his brow gathered as if in thought but he said nothing 19 September All last night, she slept fitfully, being always afraid to sleep, and something weaker when she woke from it. The professor and I took turns, what to watch, and we never left her for a moment unattended. Quincy Morris said nothing about his intention, but I knew that all night long he patrolled round and round the house. I mean, honestly, that's useful. Thank you. Thank you, Quincy. Please don't (laughs) leave us. Team Quincy. When the day came, its searching light showed the ravages in poor Lucy's strength. She was hardly able to turn her head, and the little nourishment which she could take seemed to do her no good. At times she slept, and both Helsing and I noticed the difference in her between sleeping and waking. Well, asleep, she looked stronger, although more haggard, and her breathing was softer. Her open mouth showed the pale gums drawn back from the teeth, which thus looked positively longer and sharper than usual. When she woke, the softness of her eyes evidently changed the expression, for she looked her own self, although a dying one. <laughs> Jesus in the afternoon she asked for arthur and we who and we telegraphed for him quincy went off to meet him at the station oh quincy is finally going to danis with his arrival when he arrived it was nearly 6 o'clock and the sun was setting full and warm and the red light streamed in through the window and gave more color to the pale cheeks when he saw her arthur was simply choking with emotion and none <laughs> of us could speak <laughs> in the hours that passed the fits of sleep or the comos coast condition that passed for it had grown more frequent so that the pauses when conversation were possible were shortened Arthur's presence, however, seemed to act as a stimulant. She rallied a little and spoke to him more brightly than she had done since we arrived. He, too, pulled himself together and spoke as cheerily as he could so that the best was made of everything. Because that's what saltine crackers do. They make the best of everything. Everything tastes great when it sits on Arthur. No, that's a Ritz. It was now (laughs) near one (laughs) o'clock and he and Ann Velsinger are sitting with her. I am am to relieve them in a quarter of an hour and i am entering this on Lucy's phonograph. Until six o'clock, they are to rest, for I fear that tomorrow will end our watching, for the shock has been too great. The poor child cannot rally. God help us all. Oh, Mina's back. Letter. Oh, me- Mina, Mina! Hark- Mina Harker to Lucy Westenra. Unopened by her. 17th September. My dearest Lucy, it seems an age since I heard from you, or indeed since I wrote. You'll pardon me, I know, from all my faults when you have brought all my budget of news. Well... I got my husband back all right. When we arrived at Exeter, there was a carriage waiting for us. And in it, though he had an attack of gout, Mr. Hawkins, he took us to his house where there were rooms for us, all nice and comfortable, and we dined together. After dinner, Mr. Hawkins said,
0: My dears, I want to drink your health and prosperity, and may every blessing attend you both. I know you both from children and have, with love and pride, seen you grow up. Now I want to make your hope here with me. I have left me neither chick nor child, because chickens all are gone, (laughs) and in my will, I have left you everything.
1: I cried, Lucy, dears, Jonathan, the old man, clasped hands. Our evening was a very, very happy one. So here we are, installed in this beautiful old house. And from both my bedroom and the drawing room, I can see the great elms of the cathedral close with their great black stems standing out against the old Yellowstone of the cathedral. And I can hear the rooks overhead cawing and cawing and chattering and gossiping all day. They're driving me out of my fucking mind. <laughs> After the manner of rooks and humans, I am busy. I need not tell you arranging things and housekeeping. What happened in Jonathan- the shorthand? <laughs> Jonathan and Mr. Hawkins are busy all day. For now, Jonathan is the partner. Mr. Hawkins wants to tell him about all the clients. How's your dear mother getting on? Ooh. Ew. I wish I could run 12. up to town for a day or two to see you, dear, but dare not go yet. With so much on my shoulders. And Jonathan wants looking after still. He's beginning to put some flesh on his bones again, but he was terribly weakened by the long illness. Even now, he sometimes starts out of his sleep in a sudden way, and awakes all trembling until I can coax him back to his usual placidity. Is that good? However, thank (laughs) God, those occasions grow less frequent as the days go on, and in time they will pass away altogether, I trust. And now I have told you my news, let me ask you, let me ask yours. When are you to be married and when, who's to perform the ceremony and what are you to wear and is it to be public or private wedding? Tell me all about it, dear. Tell me all about everything for there's nothing which interests you, which will not be dear to me. Jonathan asked me to send his respectful duty, but I do not think that is good enough from the junior partner of the important firm hawkins and hawker so as you love me and he loves me and i love you with all the moods and tenses of the verb i send you out simply his love instead goodbye my dearest lucy and all blessings on you yours mina hawker this girl has been getting some quality d okay yeah these are the words of a woman who has been getting the D. yeah
0: she has not had to resort to shorthand in any <laughs> any, any, any meaning of, the of the word
2: Yeah report from patrick hennessy md m r c s l k q c p i etc etc like i'm waiting for the x y z to john seward md even he got tired of like writing out all his letters right. He's like
0: etc cetera, etc cetera.
2: <laughs> and poor john seward only has two letters
0: poor guy Passive okay. aggressive <laughs> exactly
2: 20 september my dear sir, in accordance with your wishes, I enclose report of the conditions of everything left in my charge. With regard to patient Renfield, there is more to say. <laughs> he, has, he has had another outbreak, which might have had a dreadful ending, but which, as it fortunately happened, was unattended with any unhappy results. Oof, getting tongue twisted here. This afternoon, a carrier's cart with two men made a call at the empty house whose grounds a, a butt on um. ours. <laughs> the, the house next door. The house <laughs> to which you will remember the patient twice ran away. The men stopped at our gate to ask the porter their way as they were strangers. I was myself looking out of the study window, having a smoke after dinner. Don't tell. And saw one of them (laughs) come up to the house. As he passed the window of Renfield's room, the patient began to rate him from within and called him all the foul names he could lay his tongue to. The man, who seemed a decent fellow enough, contented himself by telling him to shut up for a foul-mouthed beggar, (laughs) whereon our man accused him of robbing him and wanting to murder him and said that he would hinder him if he were to swing for it. Whatever. I opened the window and signed to the man not to notice. So he contented himself after looking the place over and making up his mind as to
0: what kind of place he had got to by saying, Lord bless you, sir. I wouldn't mind what was said to me in a bloomin' madhouse. I pity ye and the governor for having to live in the house with a wild beast like that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Then he
2: asked his way Sucks to be you Yeah. He asked his way civilly enough, and I told him where the gate of the empty house was. He went away, followed by threats and curses and revilings from our man. I went down to see if I could make out any cause for his anger, since he is usually such a well behaved man, and except his violent fits, nothing of the kind had ever occurred. I found him, to my astonishment, quite composed and most genial in his manner. I tried to get him to talk of the incident, but he blandly asked me questions as to what I meant, and led me to believe that he was completely oblivious of the affair. It was, I am sorry to say, however, only another instance of his cunning, for within half an hour, I heard of him again. This time, he had broken out through the window of his room and was running down the avenue, kind of like Kate's dogs. I called to the attendants to follow me and ran after him, for I feared he was intent on some mischief. Again, like Kate's dogs. uh, They resemble that (laughs) remark. Yes, they do. My fear was justified when I saw the same cart which had passed before coming down the road, having on it some great wooden boxes. The men were wiping their foreheads and were flushed in the face as if with violent exercise. Before I could get up to him, the patient rushed at them, and pulling one of them off the cart, began to knock his head against the ground. If I had not seized him just at the moment, I believed he would have killed the man there and then. The other fellow jumped down and struck him over the head with the butt end of his heavy whip. It was a terrible blow, but he did not seem to mind it, but seized him also and struggled with the three of us, pulling us to and fro as if we were kittens. (laughs) You know I am no (laughs) lightweight, and the others were both burly men. At first, he was silent in his fighting, but as we began to master him and the attendants were putting a straight waistcoat on him, he began to shout,
0: I'll frustrate them! They shan't rob me! They shan't murder me by inches! I'll fight for my lord and master! And all sorts of similar incoherent ravings.
2: It was with very considerable difficulty that they got him back to the house and put him in the padded room. One of the attendants, Hardy, had a finger broken. However, I said it all right, and he is going on well. (laughs) Sorry, we're a little sensitive about fingers in this house. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The two carriers were at first loud in their threats of actions for damages and promised to rain all the penalties of the law on us. Their threats were, however, mingled with some sort of indirect apology for the defeat of the two of them by a feeble madman. They said that if it had not been for the way their strength had been spent in carrying and raising the heavy boxes to the cart, that they may they would have made short work of him.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Another they gave us a couple guys, guys who <laughs> skip leg day. Yeah, they skip leg day. <laughs>
2: Or they overdid leg day. Probably. They gave as another reason for their defeat the extraordinary state of drought. Truth? drought. Uh, I guess drought. Okay. To which they had been reduced by the dusty nature of their occupation <laughs> and the reprehensible distance from the scene of their labors of any place of public entertainment. I like these guys. There's not a bar in sight. (laughs) I like these guys. I am Team Carters. Yes. I quite understood their drift. And after a stiff glass of grog, or rather more of the same, and with each a sovereign in hand... They made light of the attack and swore that they would encounter a worse madman any day for the pleasure of meeting so bloomin' good a bloke as your correspondent. (laughs) I took their names and addresses in case they might be needed. They are are as follows. Jack Smollett of Dudding's Rents, King George's Road, Great Walworth, and... Thomas Snelling, Peter Farley's Row, Guide Court, Bethnal Green. They are both in the employment of Harrison Sons Moving and Shipment Company, Orange Master's Yard, Soho. I shall report to you any matter of interest occurring here and shall wire you at once if there is anything of importance. Believe me, dear
0: sir, yours faithfully, Patrick Hennessy. Now I want a glass of grog.
1: (laughs) Letter, Mina Harker to Lucy Westenra, unopened by her. 18 September. My dearest Lucy, such a sad blow has befallen us. Mr. Hawkins has died very suddenly. Some some may not think it's so sad for us, but we had both come to low so love him that it seems as though we'd lost a father. I never knew either father or mother, so that the dear old man's death is a real blow to me. Jonathan is greatly distressed. It's not only that he feels sorrow, deep sorrow for the dear good man who befriended him all his life, and now at the end treated him like his own son and left him a fortune, to which people of all modest bringing up is wealth beyond the dream of avarice, but Jonathan feels it on another account. He says the amount of responsibility which it puts upon him makes him nervous he begins to doubt himself.
0: Oh, I tr- oh, wait, is he changing his mind? He's changing
1: his mind. <laughs> I try to cheer him up, and my belief in him helps him have a belief in himself. But it is here that the grave shot that experienced tells upon him the most. Oh, it is too hard that such a sweet, simple, noble, strong nature such as his, <laughs> a nature which enabled him by our dear good friends to rise from clerk to master in a few years, should be so injured that very essence of its strength is gone. Forgive me, my dear, if I worry you with my troubles in the midst of your own happiness, but Lucy, dear, I must tell someone, for the strain of keeping up a brave and cheerful appearance to Jonathan tries me, and I have no one here that I can confide in. I dread coming up to London, as we must do the day after tomorrow, for poor Mr. Hawkins left in his will that he was to be buried in the grave with his father. As there are no relations at all, Jonathan will have to be chief mourner. I shall try to run over to see you, dearest, if only for a few minutes. Forgive me for troubling you. With all blessings, you are loving, Mina Hawker. Wow. Yeah, Mina. is she in for a shock? (laughs) (laughs) What? Dr. Seward's Diary, 20 September only resolution and habit can let me make an entry tonight i am too miserable too low-spirited too sick of the world and all in it including life itself that i would not care if i heard this moment the flapping of the wings of the angel of death that can this be arranged. Boy is such a drama princess i can't even <laughs> and he has been flapping those grim wings to some purpose of late lucy's mother and author's father and now let me get on with my work I did. Re- I duly relieved Van Helsing in his watch over Lucy. We wanted Arthur to go to rest also, but he refused at first. It was only when I told him we should not want him to help us during the rest of the day, and we should all must not break down for want of rest, lest Lucy should suffer, that he agreed to go. Van Helsing was very kind to him. Oh, I bet he was. <laughs> Come, my child. He, he said. said. <laughs> I was distracted. Sorry.
0: Come with me. You are sick and weak and have m- had much sorrow and much mental pain, as well as attacks on your strengths that we know of. You must not be alone, for to be alone is to be full of fears and alarms. No, don't be alone. I'll come to the drawing room where there is a big fire and there are two sofas. You shall lie on one and I on the other, at least to start with. And our sympathy <laughs> will be comfort to each other, even though
1: we do not speak and even if we sleep. Dear Penthouse, I never thought this would happen to me. (laughs) Arthur went off with him, casting back a longing look on Lucy's face, which lay on her pillow, almost whiter than the lawn. She was lay quite still, and I looked round to the room to see that it was all as it should be. I could see the professor had carried out in this room, as in the others, his purpose of using the garlic. The whole window reaches, window sashes reeked of it and round Lucy's neck over the silk handkerchief with Van Helsing made her keep on was a rough chaplet of the same odorous flowers. Lucy was breathing somewhat stertoriously and her face was at its worst for in the open mouth showed the pale gums. Her teeth in the dim uncertain light seemed longer and sharper than they had been in the morning. You think about calling in a dentist? I don't know. Or an actual doctor. <laughs> that, now that ship has sailed. In particular, <laughs> by some... Therapy. <laughs> Get the oils. In particular, by some trick of the light, the canine teeth looked longer and sharper than the rest. I sat down by her and presently she moved uneasily. At the same time, there came a sort of dull flapping or buffeting at the window. I went over to it softly and peeped out by the corner of the blind. There was full moonlight, and I could see the noise was made by a great bat, which wheeled round, doubtless attracted by the light, although so dim, and every now and again struck the window with its wings. When I came back to my seat, I found that Lucy had moved slightly and had torn the garlic flowers away from her throat. I replaced them as well as I could and sat watching her. Presently she woke, and I gave her food, as Van Helsing had prescribed. She took but a little, and that languidly. There did not seem to be in her now the unconscious struggle for life and strength that had hitherto so marked her illness. It struck me as curious the moment she became conscious, she pressed the garlic flowers close to her. It was certainly odd that whenever she got into that lethargic state, with the stentorious breathing, she put the flowers from her. But that when she waked, she clutched them close. There was no possibility of making any mistake of this, for in the long hours that followed, she had many spells of sleeping and waking, and repeated both actions many times. This is actually like
0: like the single valid point of like observation. <laughs> like this this is actual evidence and observation that Yes.
1: Yeah. High time, I say. At six o'clock, Van Helsing came to relieve me. Arthur had then fallen into a doze and mercifully let him sleep on. When he saw Lucy's face, face, I could hear the sissing indraw of his breath. Uh, Beyond gasped, <laughs> and he said to me in the sharp whisper, Drop the blind, I want light. Then he bent down with his face almost touching Lucy's examined her carefully. He removed the flowers from her throat and lifting the silk handkerchief from her and lifted the silk handkerchief from her throat. As he did so, he started back, and I could hear his ejaculation. <coughs> mein God!" It was smothered in his throat. I bent over and looked too, as I noticed some queer chill had come over me. The wounds on her throat had absolutely disappeared. Um, my cat is now walking on the keyboard. Frida, move on. Move on. There you go. Good girl. Mein Gott, Fr- Frida. Mein Gott, Frida! It's <laughs> a garlic! <laughs> for fully five minutes, Van Helsing stood looking at her with his face at his sternness. Then he turned to me and said calmly, She is dying. It will not be no- long now. It will be much different, mark me,
0: whether she dies conscious or in her sleep. Wake that poor boy and let him come see uh, the last. He trusts us and we've promised him.
1: I went to the dining room and waked him. He was dazed for a moment, but when he saw the sunlight streaming in through the edges of the shutters, he thought it was late and expressed fear. I assured him that Lucy was still asleep, but told him as gently as I could, both Van Helsing and I feared the end was near. He covered his face with his hands and slid down on his knees by the sofa, where he remained, perhaps a minute, with his head buried, praying, whilst his shoulders shook with grief. I took him by the hand and raised him up. Come, I said, my dear old fellow, summon all your fortitude. It will be the best and easiest for her. Don't be but a we
0: saltine in- cracker.
1: Right? When we came into Lucy's room, I could see that Van Helsing had, with usual forethought, been putting matters straight and making everything look as pleasing as possible. He had even brushed Lucy's hair so that it lay on the pillow in its usual sunny ripples. Not creepy we- at all. No, 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 not weird. When we came into the room, she opened her eyes and, seeing him, whispered softly,
2: Arthur, oh, my love, I am so glad you have come.
1: He was stooping to kiss her when Van Helsing motioned him back. "'No!' he whispered. "'Not yet. Hold her hand. It will comfort her more.' So Arthur took her hand and knelt beside her, and she looked her best, with all the soft lines matching the angelic beauty of her eyes. Then gradually her eyes closed, and she sank to sleep. For a little bit, her breast heaved softly, and her breath came and went like a tired child. And then, insensibly, there came the strange change which I had noticed in the night— her breathing grew stertorous. St- have I been up and produced, pronouncing that wrong the entire stertoris. time? Stertorous. Yeah. Stertorous. The mouth opened and the pale gums drawn back made the teeth look longer and sharper than ever. I think it's interesting here. He switches from saying her mouth and her gums and her teeth to the mouth and the pale gums mm-hmm. and the teeth look longer and sharper than ever. Also, pale gums has been mentioned like four times already in this right. chapter. In a sort of sleep-waking, vague, unconscious way, she opened her eyes, which were now dull and hard at once, and said in a soft, voluptuous voice, such as I had never heard from her lips,
2: Arthur, oh my love, I am so glad you have come. Kiss me.
1: Arthur bent over,ly bent over eagerly to kiss her, but that that instant Van Helsing, who, like me, had been startled by her voice, swooped upon him and, catching by the neck with both hands, dragged him back with a fury of strength I never thought he could have possessed, and actually hurled him almost across the room. Not for your life, he said. Not for your living soul and hers. And he stood between them like a lion at bay. Arthur... Arthur was so taken aback that he did not for a moment know what to do or say, and before any impulse of violence could seize him, he realized the place and the occasion and stood silent, waiting.
0: What? I I mean, she's dying. Like, that would not keep me from my beloved's bedside, but whatever. It's okay.
1: I kept my eyes fixed on Lucy, as did Van Helsing, and we saw a spasm as of rage flit like a shadow over her face. The sharp teeth champed together. Then her eyes closed and she breathed heavily. Very shortly after, she opened her eyes in all their softness and putting out her paw, pol- put out her paw, pol- help me, put out her <laughs> p- poor, pale, thin hand, took Van Helsing's great brown one, drawing it to her, she kissed it.
2: My true friend, my true friend and his, oh, guard him and give me peace.
1: I swear it. He said solemnly, kneeling beside her and holding up his hand as one who registers an oath. Then he turned to Arthur and said, Come, my child, take her hand in
0: yours and kiss her
1: on the forehead. And only one. Their eyes met instead of their lips, and so they parted. Lucy's eyes closed, and Van Helsing, who'd been watching closely, took Arthur's arm and drew him away. And then Lucy's breathing became stertorous again, and all at once, it ceased. It is all over, said Van Helsing. She's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. That's a weird line read, but I'm going to let you have it. You know, uh, he,
0: at this point, he's a little too gleeful for everything.
1: I took Arthur by the arm and led him away to the drawing room where he sat down, covered his face with his hands, sobbing in a way that nearly broke me down to see. I went back to the room and found Van Helsing looking at poor Lucy, and the, his face was sterner than ever. Some change had come over her body. Death had given back part of her beauty, for her brow and cheeks had, some of their f- had recovered some of their flowing lines. Even the lips had lost their deadly pallor. It was as if the blood, no longer needed for the working of the heart, had gone back to make the harshness of death as little rude as it might be. I stood beside Van Helsing and said, Ah, well, poor girl, there is peace for her at last. It is the end. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> that ages well. <laughs> He turned to me and said with grave solemnity, Not so. Alas, not so. It is only at the beginning. When I asked him what he meant, he only shook his head and answered, We can do nothing of yet. Wait and see. All I'm going to say is keep the shovel handy. That's where that's where we stop for that's where we stop for today.
0: Yeah. So uh, even though Jen could not be with us, she did leave a couple of comments, and I'm,
1: I'm, 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 you know, it's like it's like her to leave notes for us. So
0: yeah, yeah, because she has issues with this chapter.
1: I did too. Same. So so what did she have to say?
0: The first one was, how many different people had Lucy uh, received blood from now? It's literally Russian roulette with the blood types.
1: So my I, my theory that I said a couple of chapters ago, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards that she's already undergone a supernatural transformation. Mm-hmm. So she's actually eating the blood. It's not being infused as a normal blood transfusion. She's using it as a vampire would.
0: Uh, you know, that, that's not a bad... That is probably more thought than Stoker, Stroker put <laughs> into this. Um, yeah. And also, I think, you know, if she's dying of blood loss and gangrene and whatever else, like, you know, bad reactions to uh, wrong blood transfusions isn't going to make all that much of a difference. Right. Yeah. And then her next note is, why is Van Helsing refusing to tell anyone what he seems to know is going on?
1: That's that's a good question because obviously he doesn't suspect what's going on. I think he, with the garlic, he knows what's going on. Yeah,
0: and, and this is like this is an infuriating thing that I see in so many novels that like I have I either have read or end up mm-hmm. having to edit, and I'm like, this could all be
1: cleared up with a phone call,
0: right? <laughs> like you, that's where you can tell somebody who's just relying on coincidence and. Like cheap tricks to get the story to the next stage versus mm-hmm. like somebody who's actually thought it through and built the suspense in. So
1: well, now that now that Lucy's actually kicked, uh, it feels like this the the book has actually got got rolling down the track a little bit more. It's yeah, not just people sending letters talking about how much they love each other. So so uh, hopefully you know what, what's 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 coming up in the next chapter, Kate.
0: Well. <clears throat> uh, Lucy makes for a pretty, pretty corpse. Van Helsing is really just a creepy groomer. And I stand by that. And we meet England's third worst reporter.
1: Oh, Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't wait, my script says. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love how you lie. (laughs) And don't forget to check us out for for, for real on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Drunk Mythology Gals. That's right. For October, we are doing
0: Drunk Dracula Gals. We have a tier for $1. (laughs) And you get all these Dracula episodes as soon as I finish producing them. And uh, you know what? There's also more. You get access to all of our other Lit Crit Hour episodes, Russian Wolves, The Little Mermaid, uh, Aladdin. Uh, There's so much. And basically, my goal in life is to ruin all of it for everybody. You were a ruiner.
1: You know, uh, there should be an award. You would win it.
0: Everyone needs a purpose. That's all I'm going to say. So thanks again for joining us. Please subscribe, leave a rating or review, and tell your friends and family about us, especially if they are like Quincy Morris, who had a mare down on the pampas and is like, (laughs) you know, I'm putting two and two together here, but nobody else is.
1: Yeah, he's a manly man, right? He
0: apparently there's a lot of him too. <laughs> <laughs> Is that code for something? Finally, always remember if the undead can behave badly, then so can you.